And so before we begin to submerge into our inheritance, into the holy waters, into the, into the depths, the unchanging epigraph to the study of the Word of God is the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the laws of Moses and prophets and psalms. So that we ask the participants of the body of Christ which share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we will continue our study of our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth within our heart, <coughs> revealing what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. <coughs> this is the calling of every individual person and all of us together. If a person does not understand a person of God this calling and will be attracted by something different, gifts of the Holy Spirit, practicing of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, if he will be attracted by evangelism or other good works, in his opinion, good works, but he won't do this because our calling is to put off our former way of life so we can put on a new way of life. You were taught regards to your former, former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self, created by God in true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4:22 through 24. According to the testimony of the apostles and prophets, the given promise was concealed and withheld from the previous centuries and generations. The reason for this is because it is a promise that belongs to the door of our hope. According to the words of Apostle Peter, this promise is called to be revealed at the end of the age by the power of God by being instructed in the faith. And so only that category of saints that will enter into the category of the good wife who possess the status of the narrow gate will receive the power to the right to inherit the adoption of their body by the redemption of Christ for the price that they have paid to be a student of Christ. Because to be clothed into the new person is to be clothed into the pearl nacre of immortality, and this is not some uh, time after we die. After we die, we won't have a need for this. It's that our mortal bodies would be clothed into immortality. To fulfill this given commandment, we see three destiny-affecting, commanding, and fundamental acts that we must do put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that it is specifically our decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on that will determine whether we transform ourselves into a vessel of mercy or vessel of wrath, or more specifically, will the achieving of our salvation uh, stand or happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee 
or will we lose it forever, which will then result in our names being forever blotted out of the Book of Life, although they may have been written there at one time. The reason why we can lose it is because we've been convinced that we received salvation in the format of fruit, that we already have it. We have salvation that is given to us by the grace of God freely in justification given in the format of a seed or a guarantee, and this guarantee needs to be worked. It needs to be invested. It needs to be turned so that you can receive profit from it, and that is the fruit of righteousness. We've been given the seed, and we need to grow in the Eden of our heart, the tree of life that bears fruits of righteousness. In a particular format, we already looked at the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. Relevant to this, we stop to study the mystery that is contained in the format of an allegory in the 18th Psalm of David. Here, the Holy Spirit, with the wisdom that He alone has and authority that He has, reveals the demands in this magnificent allegory according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon, or God Most High. The essence of this condition consists in this, that in the circumstances of our hardship when we are putting off the old man, we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our hearts, saying, Who God is for us in Christ Jesus? what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, who we are to God in Christ Jesus, and what do we need to do to inherit all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. The given allegory is one of the most powerful and all-capturing examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind as King David and God Most High and their violent conflict with the carnal mind in the form of King Saul and governing sin in the form of our old person with his deeds who supports our carnal mind. And we inherited this by the line of our fathers. It is the confession of the faith of our hearts saying who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us, and who we are for Him. God can receive the legitimate grounds that He needs to join the battle for our mortal body so that He can shame the governing sin that is in that is our old person that is in our mortal body by the power of His redemption and thrust Him out with noise forever into hell. We need to bind not the demons or spirit, uh, demonic spirits, but the old person. We're not called to bind uh, demons. We're called to step upon them, rebuke them. There's a difference. To step upon them so that they be as dust under our feet, uh, dirt under our feet. When a person becomes spiritual, demons don't uh, approach these people. They're afraid of these people. There's... They're, our demonic generals, they study the life of this person very, very de in, in great detail. And then they investigate as a special force, uh, trying to find uh, something uh, that they can deceive him by, something small, something that may be misunderstood by this person in order to attack him in that area. But with the old person, you have to fight with him a long time. If you say, get away from me in the name of Christ, and he gets away, the old person needs to be crucified. <clears throat> and when in specific churches they rebuke 
demons, uh, fornication and other types of demons, then actually what they're doing is that they're they're trying to rebuke the old person but calling him a demon. And of course demons laugh because the old person needs to be crucified. And demons are to be stepped upon, trampled upon. The old person is bound inside of you according to the word of God confessing the faith of the heart and so this is very important to know and then God can receive the legitimate grounds he needs to uh, fight or battle for our earthly bodies when we consider ourselves dead to sin and proclaim the non-existent as existent in order to erect within our mortal body the stronghold of eternal life and clothe our mortal our mortal body into the imperishable pearl of the fruit of righteousness that we've grown in the Eden of our heart. In its character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of legitimate prayer that belongs to us as kings, priests, and prophets. It's very important that we uh, understand the unity of these three because a king or King David had all these three he was a king a priest and he was a prophet he put on the robe and he entered into the temple he was the only king that was simultaneously also a priest and not just a priest but a high priest and none of the priests uh, resisted him and although he was not from the line of Levi he was from the line of Judah but nobody uh, resisted this or somehow questioned this. He would pray, reveal to me how you revealed yourself to me in the temple, but only the priests would enter in, and David also entered because he was a warrior in prayer. A warrior in prayer is always a king, priest, and prophet, but a king is not always a priest and prophet. Saul was a king, but he was not a priest and he was not a prophet. And so there was a ba- battle. We, we've been studying Saul, David, reigning sin, all these three kings within our body, and they all fight for what? For our body. In order to possess the body, you need to capture the heart. And you capture the heart, then the body will be within their reach. And so the virtue of a king consists in our mind being renewed by the spirit of our mind, which gives us the power to the right to control the emotional aspect that is in our body and put them under the bridle as a horse of battle. The virtue of a priest gives us the power to the right to approach God as a warrior in prayer so that we can perform legitimate intercession for the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. What good is it if the a person obtains the whole world but loses his soul or what price will he give for his soul? Jesus wanted to show that we need to be intercessors for the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. To the apostles, he gives the next calling that they would be able to evangelize, but apostle for himself can't evangelize. He needs to be in a church and do this through the church. When can we evangelize? When we become a light. You are a light to the world. And so when the sun uh, rises, you see there's light. The only one that doesn't see are maybe underground creatures that may not be, but that, you know, roam in the dark, 
kind of like moles and other creatures. And so the sun doesn't exist to men of the flesh. Their mind is their sun. This is their apostle. This is their prophet. This is their priest. My head, this is how I understand. The virtue of a prophet gives our new person the right to enter into the Holy of Holies. This is so that we can hear the voice of God at the mercy seat, also known as the lid of the ark, within our heart, and therefore gives God the proper foundation he needs to hear the voice of our intercessions so he can respond to us. First part identifies the state of the heart of David as a warrior in prayer, which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer, belonging to the two kings, priests, and prophets. Second part opens the consistency of the legitimate prayer itself, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets, which uh, gives God the proper basis to deliver David from the hand of all of his enemies. And so the word that I say, it is not going to be accessible uh, for those that have don't have the virtue of a king, priest, or prophet. Third part illustrates the prayer battle itself in an epic way, which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind. In the previous services, we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which opens the consistency of legitimate prayer that is made by a warrior in prayer utilizing the eight names of God Most High specifically confessing the power contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so that he can be saved from his enemies and for God knowing and confessing the truth that opens the power of his names in the heart of David provided God the right foundation so that he can use the power of these abilities in his names to battle against the enemies of David. Let's read this place. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I have been saved from my enemies. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is is my deliverer. The Lord is my rock in whom I take refuge. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the horn of my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold. When I confess these with my mouth and in my heart, it is in in me who God is for me in Jesus Christ. My confession gives God the basis to take these words and make God for me in this way, as a strength, as a fortress. In a specific format, as much as God has allowed in the measure of our faith, we have already studied our inherited lot in Christ Jesus, studying the power of four names of God, my strength, my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. And have stopped to study our inherited lot in Christ Jesus, studying the name of God, my rock in whom I take refuge as the rock of Israel. The name rock of Israel identifying the nature of the Most High and the character of His word belongs to the lot of warriors in prayer. In Hebrew, this name contains the following unearthly virtues, sharp and 
or edge of a cliff, stone, a stone defense, blood, the shadow of a cliff, victorious, elephant tusk, elephant ivory, eternal governing, the promise of imperishable food, the comfort of peace. We will remember that the existing nature of prayer where David confesses his lot contained in the eight, eight names of God Most High, and in this specific situation, the lot of the name of God Rock of Israel, is a prayer that is made within the boundaries of a covenant made with God. Eight names of God here is a symbol of a covenant. Eight is a symbol of a covenant. In other Psalms, he has ten names or, and other numbers as well. And if you look at all of the different names he brings forth uh, in his Psalms, there are about 50 total. And so in these eight names, uh, we can find all 50 names of God. Secondly, the given prayer is a strategic teaching which is called to be our calling and royal garments so it can clothe us into the virtue of warriors in prayer, into the virtues of kings, priests, and prophets who are anointed by the Holy Spirit to bring about governance over their mortal body. And if a person, by being instructed in the faith, has not accepted the given to him anointing to rule over his calling, this, is, this calling is his mortal body, and to rule in the status of a king, priest, and prophet so that he can clothe the mortal body into the pearl nacre of immortality. And so again, that is, you need to have the status of a king, priest, and prophet to clothe your mortal body into the pearl nacre of immortality, then this revelation, so if a person uh, has not accepted these things, the rev this revelation will have n no benefit for him. Therefore, the qualities and lexicon provided to identify the name of God, Rock of Israel, as all the previous studied names of God cannot be found in any dictionary of the world. Considering such a necessary tandem or such a union of God with man to clothe our mortal body into the pearl nacre of immortality, it becomes vital for us to identify within each aspect of our essence the role of God and the role of man as a common tragedy the majority of Christian people, due to their ignorance, which is a result of their stiff neck, are inherently attempting to fulfill the role of God. This is so their, to their own destruction. The reason is because when you fulfill the role of God, you present yourself as God. And for this purpose, to differentiate our role from God's role, we came to the necessity to study four classical questions. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel? Second, what purpose in relation to achieving our salvation in the foundation of which lies the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ is our inherited lot called to accomplish in the name of God, Rock of Israel. Third, what price needs to be paid to provide God a proper foundation to be our Rock of Israel to achieve the salvation of our soul given to us in the seed of the kingdom of heaven in the format of a guarantee? And fourth, by what results do we determine that God truly is our Rock of Israel as it relates to, to the achieving of our calling consisting in the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ? Not having clear and exhaustive answers to these questions that we are able to receive exclusively by being instructed in the faith and within the strict order of the structure of God's theocracy in which the body of Christ functions. This means that without a strict and voluntary obedience to the preached word of a man that possesses the authority of a father from God, as well as his helpers, we will have absolutely no opportunity to receive profit as fruits of righteousness from the seed of guarantee that we have invested.
as it is written, for all of the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen, to the glory of God through us, 2 Corinthians 1.20. In this place of scripture, the Apostle Paul says that to understand the promises of God and to receive them is only possible uh, through him and those like him, that is through the apostles, the word apostles, one who is sent by God. We need to also keep in mind that if we study our inherited lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, but we will study it as something separate from the confession of the faith of our heart, then we will immediately be going in the wrong direction, because God in all of His powerful and unchanging names is our lot of inheritance only within the boundaries of His temple, which is the mortal body of a man who has grown the tree of life within the Eden of his heart. This tree bears fruit 12 times a year and its leaves serve as light for the world. This light is called to heal people of their sins. Therefore, only having grown the tree of life within the Eden of your heart as the fruit of a restrained tongue, a person becomes a partaker of the good wife due to which the grace of God begins to rule in his heart, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 5.21. Grace can only reign in the heart by the fruits of righteousness not by the seed but by the fruit the the seed is a guarantee when you invest it and you turn it to profit you you die for your nation the house of your father and for your fleshly life then only then will you receive the opportunity to bear fruits of righteousness because the seed needs to die in the death of the lord jesus and resurrect in fruits of righteousness and when i ask sometimes the question Uh, to people that are not part of the service of course just not just any uh, individual any person but people who uh, are leaders of churches and I ask them brother are you righteous and they say well to say that I'm righteous means I'm I'm arrogant and prideful I'm only trying to be righteous but if you're not righteous then you're not able to use God's grace You think that grace is given and you're under grace, but you're actually under the law. Because the law uh, reveals sin and you're always feeling like you're sinning and you're always trying to uh, do some sort of deeds to justify yourself. And as uh, sin reigned to death, grace also, uh, as it says here, reigns through righteousness to eternal life. And so, if... through righteousness, grace will not reign, then you will lose eternal life. Did you ever think about this? Where are you going and where are you leading other people? What hole are you leading them into? In a specific format, we have already studied the essence of the first two questions in the previous services, so we will turn our attention to question three. This is the condition that gives the Holy Spirit the right foundation to lead us into the inherited lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. The essence of the third question, what price needs to be paid so that he can or we can provide God a proper foundation to be our Rock of Israel? The first component of, component of the price called to give God the proper foundation to be our Rock 
that has been the element of food and subject of attention consists in our decision to heed the commandments of the Lord, which will give us the power to the right to come out of Babylon that lives within our body, that mixes the revelations of the preached-to-us word with the products of our intellect. We need to separate from that. As well as the Babylon that represents churches, that is the sermons of those who have authority, who mix and pervert the truth with the products of their intellect. Coming out then will allow us to find the good wife who possesses the virtue of the narrow gate. Second component of the price that gives a God the proper foundation to be our rock is our payment for the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refuses bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed, and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. He will dwell on high, his place of defense will be the fortress of rocks, his dwelling place will be the name God, uh, the rock of Israel. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. In the given allegory, and this is an allegory, the reward for our ability to live amongst the devouring fire of, of the holiness of the Most High is presented in four signs. The reward will be we will dwell on high. Our place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. God in the name of God, rock of Israel will become our fortress. Bread from above will be given to us. We're talking about bread from above that gives eternal life when you will eat it. And the living water of the Holy Spirit received by us as the Lord and Master <clears throat> will become water in our heart that will be sure or that will not run out. <clears throat> At the same time, the price for the right to the power to live amongst the devouring fire is contained in the five acts. Walk righteously and speak uprightly in your heart. Despise the gain of oppressions. Gesture with your hands refusing bribes. Stop your ears from hearing of bloodshed and shut your eyes from seeing evil. We already looked at four components of the reward that is called to motivate us in order to encourage us to fulfill five necessary conditions that will allow us to live with the devouring fire of holiness. We will now study the first of five conditions of the price, giving us the right to live with the devouring fire of the holiness of the Most High. This is the decision to walk righteously and speak upright in your heart. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle, who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Psalm 15, 1-2. And so we read here Psalm of David. Isaiah also speaks about this. To walk righteously and speak uprightly in your heart, it is necessary to have specific knowledge that you receive by being instructed in the faith. These are what qualities does righteousness and uprightness in heart have, and how do we differentiate righteousness from lawlessness and uprightness, which is truth, from deceit in your heart. Otherwise, the command to walk righteously and to speak upright in your heart will remain washed-out verbiage that each will perceive in a corrupted form of mind. 
Relevant to this, it is necessary for us to look at the essence of the following questions. What is righteousness and uprightness as truth by its nature as well as by its definition? What purpose does righteousness and uprightness in the form of truth fulfill in our relationship with God? What conditions do we need to fulfill to keep ourselves within the boundaries of righteousness and uprightness as it relates to truth? By what results do we judge that we are abiding within the boundaries of righteousness and uprightness as it relates to truth? We have noted that we cannot study righteousness and truth as something identical. Although they are similar in the same way the son is similar to his father and daughter is similar to her mother. As truth reveals itself in righteousness, just like the father reveals himself in the son or as the seed reveals itself in fruit. Jesus said of himself that he is the truth. And so when we possess truth in ourselves, then we can perform righteousness. Truth will demonstrate itself in righteousness. We can conclude, therefore, that the truth as uprightness is the state of a good heart that is cleansed from dead works, where the faith of God abides. This faith of God is in the format of wisdom of the elementary teaching of Christ. At the same time, righteousness, as it relates to being just, is a demonstration of this state of heart in the fruit of our lips, confessing the inner state of the faith of our heart. According to this, justice or righteousness is truth in action or a result of what truth produces. We already looked at the first two questions in the previous service, therefore, we will look at question three. What conditions do we need to fulfill to keep ourselves within the boundaries of uprightness as it relates to truth and righteousness? In a military strategy, there is one unchanging quote that exists. To conquer the enemy is difficult, but it is more difficult to maintain or keep this position from new attempts of the enemy. This very quote is very much applicable to keeping yourself upon the heights of victory within the boundaries of truth and righteousness. First condition that when fulfilled will keep us in truth and in righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire in the house of the Most High is to walk before God. Genesis 6.9, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. According to the given testimony about Noah, to be just, a righteous, and perfect, upright in his generation, he needed to walk before God. To walk before God, it is necessary within the boundaries of the covenant of peace that is made between us and God, putting responsibility upon both participants of the covenant. In Hebrew, the phrase, walk before God, is to distance yourself from evil and cling to good, to make your calling and your election sure, abide in the truth and allow the truth to abide within you, place yourself in dependence of the truth and the Holy Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit within the boundaries of the teaching of Christ, press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God, build yourself into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood, fulfill your calling and strive for holiness. This is what it means to walk before God. Otherwise, a person will understand, how do I walk before God? We need to distance ourselves from evil by the cross of our Lord Jesus, to die in the death of the Lord Jesus for our nation, for the house of our Father, and for our corrupt desires of the soul. And to cling <clears throat> to cling to good, it is necessary to eat curds and honey that are from a supernatural source, to know to refuse the evil and choose the good. 
Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Isaiah 7, 14, 15. This is talking about Christ. If you can imagine, if Christ did not learn in the body, would have re rejected the teachers and not listened and said, I am a son of God. <clears throat> God gave him the ability to put on a uh, our, our mortal body. as And so he needed to learn everything as we learn. <clears throat> he needed to be obedient to the teachers. He needed to listen. <clears throat> when he demonstrated disobedience and remained in the temple because his heart was pulling to the temple because this was the house of his father. And when the parents came to worship uh, with him and three days later they realized he wasn't there, they thought he was coming with relatives or someone else because it was a whole process. They came with families, with neighbors, and then they asked, so where's Jesus? Uh, have you seen him? And no, everyone didn't see him. And the, the parents were worried. They went back to the temple, and when they came back to the temple, they saw that he was standing in the temple teaching the high priests. And they said, child, what have you done with us? We've been looking for you three days. And they said, well, you should have known that this is the house of my father. But then it is written that he became obedient and did follow them and uh, did listen. <clears throat> and so it's very important in order to know, to choose the good and refuse the evil, you need to be nourished by milk and honey. <clears throat> and this is milk and honey from your own mother that is your own church do not leave your church as some have the habit as many do because it says further who leaves their church for such a person there's no more sacrifice for sin but a terrible expectation of indignation that will come but our church is the church of the status of a good wife and the virtue of the narrow gate. Second, to make your calling and your election sure, we're talking here about how to walk before God. To make your calling and your election sure is, is necessary to be clothed into the virtue of a, ser a servant of the Lord, which will give us the ability to make our calling and election sure, which will open for us a broad entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us by this glory and virtue, it's been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, these promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to vo virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Furthermore, if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior Jesus Christ. Apostle Peter teaches the church how to walk before God. 2 Peter 1, 1 through 11. In the given testimony, Apostle Peter says of himself that he is a bondservant of Jesus Christ, which is his calling. <clears throat> Even more diligently, make your call and election sure. A calling is the virtue of a servant. This is the greatest calling in heaven. And the greatest calling in heaven is <clears throat> something the Heavenly Father has. He is a servant of His spoken word. As soon as He speaks, and as soon as words come out of His mouth, He voluntarily becomes a servant of His word. He places Himself in dependence and is, stands guard and watches vigilantly to see that the word that He has spoken will be fulfilled uh, when He wants it to be fulfilled. He would never allow it that His Son would be a servant of his word if he himself wasn't a servant of his word he spoke of his <clears throat> of his son saying here's my servant he spoke in with great love and affection the holy spirit is also uh, shown as a servant and so a servant is the greatest uh, position and so <clears throat> and to make your calling as a servant of the lord and your election being a partaker of this divine nature sure and so as he's talking here about his election we talked here about his calling being a bondservant of Jesus and his election is to be a partaker of his divine nature to make your calling as a servant of the Lord in your election being a partaker of his divine nature sure it is necessary to put forth all efforts so that you can demonstrate virtue in your faith and in virtue knowledge and in knowledge self-control in self-control perseverance in perseverance godliness in godliness brotherly kindness and in brotherly kindness love demonstrating the seven qualities of virtue in your faith and we've been studying these names as we know demonstrating these seven qualities of virtue in our faith assures or establishes our calling in the status of servants of the Lord and our election being a part of God's divine nature which then opens to us broad entrance into the eternal kingdom of the Lord our Savior Jesus Christ third here we're talking about how to walk before God. <clears throat> to, to walk before God, to abide in the truth which reveals itself in the fruits of righteousness and allows the truth to abide within you, it is necessary to apprehend this truth by being instructed in the faith. This means walking before God. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 31, 32. He means free from sin. But there, when he was speaking these fra this phrase, uh, there wasn't just disciples listening. There was also Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes. And they then asked him, we've never been slaves of anyone. When they were slaves, they were under the Roman Empire and paid taxes to Rome. And Judea became the province of, of Rome. And so they were talking about 
literal slavery, but when he meant, what he meant was you will become free of slavery of sin. Fourth, in order to walk before God, or what it means to walk before God, is to place yourself in dependence of the truth and the Holy Spirit who reveals this truth in your heart. It is necessary by being instructed in the faith to imprint upon the tablets of your heart the elementary teaching of Christ which will then make our heart wise. I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31.6 Here it's talking about the heart of the wise. Wisdom in the heart comes because a person began to receive, he opened his heart and received the instruction that is given to us, but given to him by faith. And when he places this instruction in his heart, God allows another wisdom. There are two natures of wisdom, the Word and the Holy Spirit who reveals the Word of God. Then the Holy Spirit comes and will reveal this wisdom in the heart. Fifth, we're talking about walking before God. And to walk before God means to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so to be led by the Holy Spirit within the boundaries of the teaching of Christ, it is necessary to have a hunger to communicate with the Holy Spirit. It is not possible to receive the Holy Spirit so that He can receive truth, uh, reveal the truth in your heart if you don't have a true hunger. In the original, it talks about a hunger that's uh, almost a fatal type of hunger and thirst, like he's a starvation. When a person receives the teaching of Christ into his heart, if the Holy Spirit doesn't come there, a person begins to experience hunger, he will die. Uh, This is talking about this type of hunger, where a person is dying from hunger. And when God sees such a, a hunger, not just that I quench and I want to quench my thirst, I just want to drink. We're talking here about a couple of days being under a burning sun and you are incredibly thirsty. This wasn't the thirst that the rich man had. He also had a thirst, but this was too late. When he was already in hell, he had a thirst. He told Abraham, he says, he told him, send Lazarus, let him at least dip his finger into water and put it on my tongue. This was talking about the fact that with his mouth, he said said things he shouldn't have said. He confessed what he shouldn't have confessed. And now he was suffering in that very flame. Here it's talking about a hunger that Samson had, a thirst when he was in the wilderness And he says, I will die, and the Philistines will come and take me. The uncircumcised uh, Philistines may come and take us, although we have the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, if the Holy Spirit will not come. And then it's written that God opened up the earth and waters uh, uh, gushed out, and he called these waters uh, the waters of the one who has called or called out. Furthermore, And so on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John seven thirty seven through thirty nine. Sixth, 
To walk before God is to press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. It is necessary to not count yourself as one who has apprehended and forget the things that are behind both the losses and the accomplishments. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3, 13 through 14. The prize of the upward call of God, the upward call is to be a servant of the Lord because this call is different from star from star. The deeper your dedication, the greater your uh, uh, your uh, commitment as a servant to the Lord. And as you know, Apostle Paul had a lot of accomplishment. He, he but if, if you have a lot of experience and you begin to rely upon that experience, even positive experience, you will not be able to press toward the goal for the prize because you, you still are relying, you're leaning upon those previous victories and you keep looking at those things that God had done with you in the past. But you've already passed that. You have uh, what is ahead. God needs to do more work with you ahead. And in order for Him to do more work ahead, you need to not rely upon experiences. David never relied upon his experiences. God gave him revelations during the time of war and visions, as soon he told them, as soon as you hear the noise uh, of the of the leaves on the trees, go and this is the time you will go and and you will act. He all, David always asked if he would not have asked and would have decided for himself what the strategy should be. God would have left him. Whatever may happen, whatever knowledge you have, whatever experience you have, with every new work, there's always ask for a revelation, never rely upon what you had previously. You forget what is in the past, and so that is what it means to walk before God. Seventh, to walk before God is to build yourself into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. It is necessary to come to Christ as to a living stone, that by His example you can build yourself a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. Coming to Him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. First Peter 2 4 and 5. And so in order to build yourself into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood, it is necessary to look at how Christ built himself into a holy uh, priesthood and a spiritual house. Take example from him. Further, eighth, to walk before God is to fulfill your calling in bearing the fruits of holiness. It is necessary to demonstrate obedience to the words of the man that has been placed over us by God and his apostles, his apostles and his helpers. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians 4, 7, 8. If these eight conditions have a place in our life, then this means that we walk before God, which provides God with the foundation he needs to keep us in the uprightness 
as it pertains to truth and righteousness. Second condition that when fulfilled will keep us in the truth and in righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire in the house of the Most High, is when you suffer for the truth, do not revile, but commit your, your situation to God, the righteous judge who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. 1 Peter 2.23 In order to behave as our Savior behaved in his time in similar situations, it is necessary like him to refuse any protection for the benefit of the protection of God, to provide God a proper foundation to keep our hearts in truth and righteousness. Romans 12:19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. As soon as we defend ourselves, we don't give God the ability to judge. It is good we have the opportunity to repent. We immediately repent and say, Lord, forgive me that I began to defend myself. I shouldn't have done that. I should have committed this case to you because you are my defense. You are my protector. Third condition, that when fulfilled will keep us in truth and in righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire in the house of the Most High, is to never justify ourselves before God and never demand anything from God, but only beg Him. How can I answer Him and choose my words to reason with Him? For though I were righteous, I could not answer Him. I would beg mercy of my judge. Job 9, 14, 15. Even if I'd be right in my own eyes or did everything according to the truth, he says, but I will not do that. I won't defend myself. I will beg before my my judge. To never justify yourself before God and never demand anything from God but only beg Him, it is necessary to not allow your mouth to cause your flesh to sin and never say before the messengers of God, which is a person who is an apostle, what is an error. Ecclesiastes 5.6 Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? Sometimes when I begin to speak with specific people, they say, well, I didn't mean that, I didn't mean this. And so I rarely tell a person directly because he is not able to receive. Only spiritual people are able to receive. A person of the flesh begins to justify himself and that you didn't understand him clearly and this is not what he meant. Uh, and so an angel of God is a, a representative of God. And so why should God be angry at your excuse? And so you you say you're said you're told something, you say, I repent, I accept. David wanted, may the righteous one correct me. This is a great uh, privilege, he said. But when a person is corrected, a person, uh, sometimes you, you see they become offended. This is, they're receiving this as, as an offense to, toward them. And this is dangerous. When you don't receive correction, you fall. Fourth condition, that when fulfilled will keep us in truth and in righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire in the house of the Most High, is to receive circumcision in the form of a seal of righteousness that we have obtained and had before circumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, he being Abraham, 
received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Romans 4.11 As much as we already know, a seal serves as authentication and confirmation of a legal document upon which it is applied, thus binding it. It only binds a document that is legitimate and it confirms that. In the given situation, making a covenant of peace with God, the seal of righteousness ratifies the faith of Abraham, that is, confirms that faith of Abraham which he had before circumcision or before he made a covenant of peace with God. Therefore, the symbol of the seal of righteousness means making a covenant of peace with God in the baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire, which serves as confirmation of our righteousness by faith which we had before we made a covenant of peace with God. We repent, and when we repent, we receive justification, and only after that we make a covenant with God. This is confirmation, but we are already justified. We can't uh, be baptized by water if we haven't received uh, justification. A seal is placed already upon a ready document. The seal of righteousness is a covenant of peace that we make with God, places responsibility upon both parties, where each of the sides making a covenant is responsible for their own exclusive role. We need to keep in mind that the essence of such a covenant consists in the following. First, a person is called to fulfill his condition of the covenant, which will then give God the proper grounds he needs to fulfill his part of the covenant. And if a person breaches or does not fulfill his part of the covenant of peace he made with God, then God will not have any proper grounds upon uh, which to fulfill his part of the covenant of peace that was made. And to fulfill your part of the covenant of peace with God, it is necessary to be taught and be very much aware of the specifics of the agreement that both parties have a responsibility to uphold. We can obtain the essence of the specifics contained in the covenant of peace in one way only, that is by being instructed in the faith by that person whom God has placed over us and within that church for which the given person carries responsibility before God. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Galatians 6, 6 through 9. In the existing position in relations to the person by whom we are called to learn the faith of God is in and is this position is in some way broken, God will not have any legitimate grounds to keep our heart in truth and righteousness and consequently will not have any opportunity and we will not have any ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of the Most High. Fifth condition that when fulfilled will keep us in truth and in righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire in the house of the Most High, is regarding the life of our animal, which symbolizes the life of our soul. A righteous man regards the life as, of his animal, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Proverbs 12.10 The animal features of the soul of man, which is controlled by sin that governs in the form of the old person, who carries the program of the fallen cherubim, is similar to the features of an animal or beast. Therefore, the phrase is animal instincts and beast-like instincts identify one essence. In Hebrew, the verb regards in the place means cares for the life of his soul. 
provides and so cares for the again in Hebrew the verb regards in this place of scripture means cares for the life of his soul provides food for his soul timely considers his words if if God knows that doesn't mean you need to be silent behaves sensibly makes itself known to God reveals itself before God provides God a foundation to know itself prepared for being taught what is righteousness attends to the voice of truth differentiates the voice of voice of truth from foreign voices according to the given definitions the verb regards in Hebrew as it relates to the life of our domestic animal is linked to our responsibility and our call to save our soul for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God you may receive the promise for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry now the just shall live by faith but if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure in him but we are not of those who draw back to perdition but of those who believe to the saving of the soul Hebrews 10 36 through 39 and so you may ask well our soul is not saved we received salvation we received salvation in the form of a seed our soul will be saved when we grow the fruit of righteousness from the seed we stand in faith who believe in the saving of the soul we are growing the salvation if we do not lose our soul in the death of our Lord Jesus so that we can obtain it in a new form in the resurrection of Jesus God will not have any grounds upon which to keep our heart in truth and in righteousness and consequently we will not have any opportunity or ability to live with the devouring fire identifying the boundaries of the holiness of God most high sixth condition that when fulfilled will keep us in truth and in righteousness giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire in the house of the most high is to take heed and watch your progress as you build yourself into the likeness of the house of God according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder I have laid the foundation and another builds on it but let each one take heed how he builds on it first Corinthians 310 here it's talking about us looking keeping watch keep watch of how you build uh, which uh, sketches are you using which uh, maps are using in order to build to take heed or watch your progress in building yourself into the house of God means examine yourself as to whether you are abiding within the faith of God and it is abiding within you or not examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith test yourselves do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified 2 Corinthians 13 5 when looking at the faith of God which is called to abide within our heart and in which our heart is called to abide we need to apprehend the truth in the form of the elementary teaching of Christ and the Holy Spirit who reveals the meaning of the truth within our heart if by being instructed in the faith we have not put the truth into our heart the elementary teaching of Christ and have not received this is the 12 uh, foundations of the New Jerusalem the elementary teaching and have not received the Holy Spirit into our heart who reveals the meaning of this truth God will not have any grounds upon which to keep our heart in truth and righteousness and consequently we will not have any opportunity or ability to live with the devouring fire identifying as identified as the boundaries of holiness 
holiness of God Almighty. Seventh condition that when fulfilled will keep us in truth and in righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire in the house of the Most Most High, is to find yourself in God or to place yourself in Christ, not with your own personal righteousness, but that is fr- that is from the law, but, but with the one that is by faith in Christ Jesus, and be found in Him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Philippians 3.9 We receive righteousness by uh, freely. The phrase be found in him means to discover yourself in Christ Jesus, not with your own righteousness that is from the law, but with the one that is by faith in Christ with righteousness from God by faith. We need to ask a question. In what way are we to be found in him or discover ourselves in Jesus Christ with righteousness that is from God by faith? Some things I'm opening up a little bit further. To find or to discover yourself in Christ Jesus is only possible by bearing to God the fruits of righteousness, by the means of confessing with your mouth the faith of God that is abiding within your heart. Specifically, confessing the faith of your heart gives God, we fall into Jesus Christ. Remember, uh, the spider uh, spins a web and he he, he he waits there next to the door, and when there's a strong current, once the door opens, and so it could be just a, little, a millimeter of a little bit of airflow, and he feels that, and he tries to uh, enter. Why, why do they try to enter? Why do they not live uh, outside, right, or want to live outside? Be as the spider, he sometimes can be in royal palaces. He is small. We don't look up, we just come in and that uh, current brings him in with you. Yesterday, I came out and he said, Father, look, uh, there's a little frog sitting on the door. And you did, uh, he was trying to come in and he wasn't very noticeable. And so, of course, we, we removed him so he doesn't come into the house. And so, confessing the faith of our heart gives God proper grounds to place us into Christ and Christ to abide within our heart. And this nature of confession is the fruit of our lips, praising God. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is weathered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. John 15, 4-8 Bearing fruits in the confessions of the faith of our heart clothes us into the virtue of students of Christ, that in turn gives God the proper foundation to keep our heart in truth and righteousness. If our lips refuse to collaborate with our heart into which we have into which we have received the seed of truth in the form of the elementary teaching of Christ, we will not be able to be the students of Christ. Because of this, God will not have any proper foundation upon which he can keep our heart in truth and righteousness, and consequently we will not have any opportunity or ability to live with the devouring fire identified as the boundaries of the holiness of God Most High. Question 4. By what results can we examine ourselves 
recalls that we are within the territorial boundaries of uprightness as it relates to truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire, which is in the house of the Most High. The results are fruits of righteousness by which we can determine that we truly possess the nature that is in accordance with the nature of God and not a counterfeit form of this nature. First, one of the results that we are within the boundaries of truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness that is within the house of the Most High will be the ability to confront all weapons that have been formed against us and every tongue that will be contending with us in judgment. Isaiah 54:17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Here, it, this, it says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is only given to servants. Only the servants of the Lord can uh, count on this, the students of, of the Lord. First, every weapon that has been formed against us is our intellect, which will be contending with the wisdom of our heart and will attempt to claim the right to differentiate what is good and what is evil. Second, this will be every person who is taught worldly wisdom, including an education in psychology, doctorate de degrees, magistrates, and bachelor of theology. Third, these will be typical ignorant in scripture persons, men of flesh, that consider themselves experts in scripture and claim the right to differentiate what is good and what is evil. These symbolic weapons altogether will be the incarnation of the great harlot who sits upon the scarlet beast who is in the midst of the saints and she is filled with the names of blasphemy. Revelation 17, 3 through 5. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, <coughs> Mystery Babylon of ba Babylon the Great the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Weapons, here the definition of weapons, every weapon against you, in Hebrew, a vessel for wine, an item that satisfies the desire of the flesh, a formed item from bronze, a tool of a writer, an instrument used for identifying good and evil, a weapon for attack and captivity, items belonging to an idle house, a ship for sailing upon great waters. And if these symbolic weapons that altogether represent the intelligent aspect of our soul that has not been lost in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, every one of these tongues that will be contending with us in judgment and that will accuse in judgment are words demonstrated uncle demonstrating unclean thoughts, the carriers of which are unclean people. We need to understand that these together, all these together are that will be against us, that will be contending with us, that will be conflicting with us. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be 
their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment, this honor have all his saints, praise the Lord. Psalm 149, 5-9. If our lips confessing the faith of God will not uphold victory over the organized collective of evil, this will mean that we are not confessing the faith of God but our own personal ideas and become then one with these organized enemies. Due to this fact, God will not have any grounds upon which to keep our heart in truth and righteousness, and consequently we will not have any opportunity and ability to love uh, live in this devouring fire, identifying the boundaries of holiness of God Most High. Second, the next result, that we are within the boundary of truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness that is within the house of the Most High, is by the fact that we are known in heaven, on earth, and in hell. That the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity, although he in, you incited me against him to destroy him without a cause. Job 2.3 According to this place, we conclude that God always boasts before Satan about those saints that distance themselves from evil, and after all the circumstances that have come upon them, including loss of materialistic things, and things of the in the world, they remain immovable and secured in their uprightness. Job remained secured. We need to ask the question, by what criteria or signs do we determine and examine ourselves as to whether our names are known in heaven, on earth, and in hell? Our names being known on earth, in heaven, and in hell can be determined by the faith of God that abides in our heart in the form of the received by us promise that consists of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. For only this promise makes us known on earth, in heaven, and in hell, the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and Job had this promise, and he shall stand at last on the earth, and after my skin is destroyed, this I know, this is that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Job 19.25-27 People knew this from ancient times, the adoption of their body by the redemption of Christ. The faith of God that abides within our heart is the knowledge that we received in our time in the format of a seed of the word of truth by being instructed in the faith and afterwards have grown this seed into the fruit of righteousness, proclaiming that not existent in the visible world as existent. In the given place, Job, in the moment of his body falling apart because of a harsh and very painful form of leprosy, confessed the adoption of his decaying body because of the disease he leaned upon the truth of the redemption of his body here on earth by the Redeemer. Upon the separation of the, the service of condemnation which carried the law of Moses and the service of justification that carried the law of grace, the Holy Spirit has shown what names hell bows down to and heaven celebrates and these names bring fear upon the earth. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from, from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out 
of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Siva, Jewish chief priests, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and says, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Acts 19, 11-17 the reason why the name of Apostle Paul and those like him were known in heaven on earth and in hell was not because they performed miracles and signs and not because they rebuked demons, because in one of the parables of Christ, he notes that the category of the called tried to justify themselves with these acts. He said this about them, Get away from me, all who do wickedness. I never knew you. Our name is being uh, known includes pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus, called to give us broad entry into the kingdom of heaven. Our upward call and calling consists in erecting the stronghold of life within our body, by the means of which our body will be adopted by the redemption of Christ. To inherit the upward call and election is possible only upon one condition, that is to be led by the Holy Spirit in the atmosphere of brotherly love that abides within our heart. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but to receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, then we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in Him. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the Son of God. And so what is this glory that will be revealed? And so we're talking here about creation, thus the angels of God eagerly wait for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation, angels of God that serve us was subjected to futility, not willing, but be not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, not only that, but also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Romans 8, 14 through 23. And if we don't wait, it won't happen. If this promise abides within our heart, we having the first fruit of the Spirit in ourself, and when we have this, we will be groaning within ourselves or uh, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. If this promise is absent within our heart, we will have no, no reason to groan within our heart, which is why then God will have no grounds upon which to keep our heart in truth and righteousness, and consequently we will not have any opportunity or ability to live with the devouring fire identified as the boundaries of holiness of God Almighty. Amen. Let us bend our knees and our heads and pray and we will thank God for the word that has been given to us.
Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you upon this blessed place, being in fellowship with your children, that has become for you a house, a dwelling place, a place of peace. Although we may be imperfect, but we, according to your word, we look at ourselves as perfect in Jesus Christ. And when we do something that may offend you, then you look at us in Jesus Christ because offending you, we immediately acknowledge that within our conscience and begin to repent and begin to fight and discipline ourselves. And I thank you that your saints have become warriors in prayer. They began to see what they're doing wrong and immediately are fixing their acts, immediately are taking their words back that they may have said in anger, <clears throat> maybe in the wrath that may not have performed your righteousness. You don't judge us for wrath that comes in our heart because of anger, because of injustice that may have been done. But when we demonstrate that wrath in harsh words, then you do judge us. But before judging us, you see and you wait whether we agree with our conscience that's condemning us for that act. If we agree with our conscience and we condemn it ourselves and we take our words back, then you don't condemn us. You don't judge us. You look calmly at us because your uh, representative, your cleansed conscience perfectly fulfills your role within our body. We thank you for our cleansed conscience from dead works. And we can now serve you and although we might fall but we rise again, we remain righteous before you because you said the righteous will fall seven times but rise again. The wicked will fall once and will not rise again. We thank you for the revelation to live with the devouring fire of holiness. When this fire will begin to burn within your nation, then the wicked will not be able to stand. He will not one who is perverse will not stand in the house of the righteous. They will leave this church and there will not be a need to pull out these weeds to bind them in bundles. But I thank you that you have sent your angels, your reapers, and they already have started their work and they already have begun to pull out the weeds and bind them into their own bundles, into these unions these synagogues that they call their own churches, giving them very, very fancy names. We thank you. Only your word can reveal the depths of your goals, the depths of your election, what you, that you've chosen us, you elected us in Jesus Christ, you made us upright before you. We thank you. We glorify you that you are our God and we are your children. I pray you, Father of heaven and earth, release the sins of your nation when they begin to work with their mind and do not work with my mind, 
with the revelations that you've given me when they began to <clears throat> resist in their heart and not want to listen say, thinking considering what I can say and shouldn't say release these sins and do not destroy them I believe that you hear my words and that you will help them restore themselves come to repentance may all weakness and illness be cursed in the body of your people may this illness depart this virus from your holy nation and may your mercy be blessed and your wisdom may your children be restored before your face in their health I thank you that I can present before you the needs of your people be lifted up in your nation in your heal in the healing in your favor and your revelation we worship before you our great God Son and Holy Spirit amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen <laughs>